Hi, my name is Chris Polod. I'm a pediatrician at an academic institution. And I happen to be a Bible nerd, a child of divorce, and soon-to-be author. I created Little Pieces Club Ministries around the idea that when our hearts break, God can still make works of art from the broken pieces. I run small groups for children and teens and consult with and support parents. I also give lectures and seminars upon request. Our content centers around the science of adversity, abuse, and neglect, that is ACE science, and how biblical design patterns harmonize with it. Along the way, I discovered that Jesus' story, wrapped in the design patterns of the Good Shepherd and the Tree of Life, help us process, grieve, forgive, and reintegrate our souls after trauma. And this helps us grow strong in solitude and community, leading us to love God, self, and others, which is what the greatest commandments or greatest blessings are all about. This podcast is geared to help parents understand their children's point of view and to be a good shepherd and tree of life through the hard times. You can follow the ministry on social media in several different areas. Uh, on Instagram, we are at LPC Ministries. On Twitter, we are at Club Pieces. And on TikTok, we are at Little Pieces Club. In the YouTube video of this podcast, you will see QR codes for our Facebook group and our YouTube content. I love getting questions and comments. So now let's get into this week's episode. Our at-home format for small groups, for those of you um, trying to support small groups, um, starts with a fun and relaxing 15 to 20 minutes. Next time is followed by a snack or basically a meal time uh, where we go over prayers in a style that is very much like uh, examine of conscience. And then we go into the video lesson part of the application uh, following, uh, followed by a prayer to close the video and a fun and relaxing activity again for 15 to 20 minutes. So right now we're just looking at a slide uh, as I'm going through the presentation that reminds us to do something fun for 15 to 20 minutes. Hopefully it does not involve a screen, although if you are having um, good fun, good clean fun with someone else, uh, the screen time is okay. And then just remember to set a timer so you come back. A little bit of wisdom about why we set up small groups this way is we are actually trying to demonstrate the concept of Sabbath keeping. And we'll get more and more into that as we go, but it is a time um, to regularly set aside work, and that can mean a variety of different things, to simply rest and delight in the gifts that God has given us. So now we're welcoming people back from their fun time, and you will need journals, prayer template, um, and then um, uh, go ahead and continue with the next um, activity. So now we're going into snack and prayer time or journaling, depending upon uh, the age group. Uh, the older kids, I tend to encourage them to keep a journal uh, while we have activity sheets for the kids. So what you're looking at on the screen is our prayer template where we look over the, the week and we just ask kids to connect with the time that they have uh, felt uh, joyful and happy. Um, they have had a good amount of fun uh, and then invited them to bring forward their um, 
negative emotions like disgust, anger, sadness, and fear. And when we go through those, we also want to ask, did God feel close or did he feel far at those particular times? And this is reflective of a very ancient process called examine of conscience. And what it does is it just helps reintegrate our souls. When we get a little far from God, um, we can realize that that's okay, and we just simply invite him to come back. So if those of you are leading a small group session and you um, are doing this, that's the basic idea. And what we always want to do is present ourselves as very warm and welcoming, no matter what kids are feeling at a, a given time. And they may even try to provoke anger out of us. And so we just want to be aware and ready uh, to respond with patience and kindness. We are now moving on to Ask Me and Ask Each Other, which is uh, our time in small group where the kids uh, can ask any question of the small group leader about growing up in a divorced family. And this is the time uh, that's very valuable in your um, ability to write down things specifically to pray for for each kid and also send me questions that I can then put out in um, future content that uh, helps everyone know um, how to answer uh, questions like that. So our next icebreaker question for our Ask Me and Ask Each Other section is, what is your scariest memory? Uh, today we'll be talking about being afraid of God um, but we want to just start off thinking about what is the group's scariest memory. And remember, this is either for preparation of small group or individual study. So feel free at any time to pause and just think through that question. So next, we're looking at the title slide for this week's episode, and we are in the Private Christian Journey, Part 8. Uh, what if I am afraid of God? And so I stuck this episode in because as we were um, doing a lot more intimacy work with God in the previous um, settings, uh, it, it dawned on me that many uh, actually feel afraid of, uh, of God. So I, I took an episode to really address those specific topics. And as I've been learning and delving more into science and that kind of thing, um, this goes directly towards attachment theory. And um, so the, the theory goes that there are four basic types of attachment. And one is secure. Uh, and then uh, the three others are variations on um, uh, insecure attachment. Uh, one of them is dismissive. Um, the other one is anxious, and then the other one is disorganized or chaotic. And each one of them um, uh, has a little bit different flavor. But the bottom line is this, is that we need to pair our, um, our ideas of attaching to God back with how we attached to um, our parents. And that process happened between about 6 and 18 months. And so um, when we're kind of thinking about God, we need to realize that we may be 
not feeling great about him because of something that happened with our parents and that we can categorize that as a separate issue and begin to grow our attachment to God um, moving forward. And attachment is not something that is set in stone. It is something that can be changed uh, with some internal work, which is, I think, the beauty of the story of the Bible. Uh, Because many of us, even in the upper socioeconomic uh, levels of society, those people that are um, rich and potentially stable, uh, 70% of them have experienced at least one um, strong adversity moment in their life, whether that's abuse, neglect, or some major earthquake event. So adversity seems to be universal and leaves its leaves its impact on us. So I wanted to spend some time in this particular episode talking about being afraid of either uh, what the Judeo-Christian religion has to offer or God himself. Um, so that's the, the purpose behind today's episode. And so the next slides, we're just remembering that we are um, balancing solitude and community And in solitude, we are seeking, finding, and deciding to accept the um, wisdom and love that God has for us so that we can then in turn give to our communities that same wisdom, love, and um, knowledge. And we all tie this to the uh, tree of life analogy um, where our roots go grow under the soil, again in solitude, and then um, we live by feel, then we live by choice and embrace the fact that we can choose, and then we can choose to be loyal to Jesus, uh, Jesus's story in the Bible. And then what that does is that allows us then to attach to the living water deep in the ground uh, running from Jesus's heart, and that helps drive the, the flowers and fruit that the world will see in us as a tree of life. If you let it, it's a very powerful metaphor that can really take over um, your soul and help uh, forward your journey with God. So as a quick reminder, also, we're looking at our writer and elephant slide. Uh, We go back through the things that we have been doing up until this point. And that is, we can embrace our power to choose, then we can choose to seek to know God, And we can be willing to accept his free gifts and choose to ask him for help. And then we can choose to do practices that bring us closer to him as well. One of those practices is um, we're looking at a reminder slide that when we were entering into solitude, we built a place. And what I realized, at least on a couple of occasions, when I was entering into solitude with God, I had this feeling of apprehension. I was afraid to be with God in solitude, and I was afraid of what his plans were for me. And I was pretty happy with my life, but I'm afraid God will mess with it. So before we go for- further, we need to be, um, we need to develop ways to be intimate with God. So we need to talk about this reasonable feeling of being uncomfortable with God. And that could be even we're afraid to be with him. And so I have got a couple of slides in this episode where we're looking at a guy who's 
pretty afraid of what he's doing, walking down a hallway, hiding his face. Um, shame drives so much of why we are afraid. And so um, we're just going to sit with that for just a minute. And then from our last episode, I found a a picture of a cat that's got kind of a stern look on his face, a worn look on his face. And so we look at that and, you know, remember, we kind of can look at the world and see that there's a lot of suffering everywhere and that God sort of allows that to happen. And we can think more and more deeply about that. Um, but from the surface, it, it looks like God causes a lot of suffering. And that can scare us uh, quite a bit. Because in essence, what we're doing is we are putting ourselves in God's hands, someone who um, works in and through suffering. And all this can drive a feeling that we don't want to be alone with God. And um, uh, there's many uh, aspects of that. So we need to give ourselves permission to feel this way and feel that we don't want to be close to God. And this could be from shame, from uh, and that shame meaning uh, just the sense that there's something deeply, deeply wrong with who you are because of things that people have told you throughout your life. We could have this fear or anger. And so we need to talk about a hard truth. And that is many people and kids have been through a lot of hard times. From yelling parents, mean kids at school, bullying, uh, parents dying, uh, people who are taking care of us not having our best interest at heart, um, having the street that we could turn to, Uh, to where we could um, get addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um, Some have been hit, touched in private places, and um, been abused. And it's reasonable and okay to think, if God really does exist, how can I be comfortable around him when he lets this stuff happen? So this moment, especially in this video or podcast, is your moment to be okay with not being okay with God. And so what I see is um, our next uh, slide, which is a person um, looking out into the night with a lantern. And so we can even pause on this picture and describe what she is doing and feeling. What's her posture? She's got a closed posture. She's watching. She's holding. She may be scared. Um, This is much different than a relaxed, open posture. And this may be how some people in their deep down, their elephant um, feels when we mention God. And they might have been told bad things about God or watched things that made them feel this way. So as a community discussion, you can, or an individual time to journal, you can pause what you're listening to or watching and just say, how about you? At, at your most kind of uh, core right now, how do you feel about your relationship with God? So now we're going to go into our formal elephant assessment test. That is, when I spend time with God, on one side of the spectrum, it's kind of scary. I feel angry, bitter, or something else. Uh, and on the other side of the spectrum, I actually feel happy and safe when I am dealing with God. And so, again, the point here is 
don't feel shame if you're on one side of this or the other. The point is to be honest in front of God how you're feeling with him. And that is part of an intimate relationship, is sharing all of your feelings and becoming aware of those feelings with with God. So what does it mean if people are afraid to be alone with God? So if we have a high number on the elephant assessment test, many times we're ashamed about feeling this way. We all hear often in church, God is good all the time. But what if we don't feel that way? First, what do we always say about feelings? So with Little Pieces Club Ministries and other people that work in emotional intelligence, the point is all feelings are okay and all feelings have some meaning. Um, So if you feel this way or you find yourself um, feeling this, it's okay to have that feeling. But um, look at feelings as sort of like your dashboard. They're not necessarily the honest truth. They're simply telling you something about yourself. So then what do we do about that? So I find the best thing to do is to make a question and then look for the answer. When we have questions about God, where do we go? So that's the the next kind of discussion for us for a bit. So if we have questions about God, where do we go with them? So I have a picture of a very happy, joyful um, person. So maybe we could ask her if we have questions about God. Next, I have a very nice uh, looking gentleman who's kind of got a goofy look on his face. And we could ask him. He could be your best friend. But the problem is those around us have their own ideas and might not be fully correct. And so what is the most reliable source of answers about God? And the answer to this question is the Bible. So biblical authors have a lot to say about being uncomfortable with God. And so we um, just need to have a good way to approach those answers. And unfortunately, um, the Bible can feel an awful lot like a textbook. And there's an organization that I gain a lot of insight from that I put forward in this ministry um, that I'd like to talk about, and then we'll go through some of their material here. And so um, before we do that, we want to talk about which characters in the Bible might we turn to that have every reason to be afraid of God. And so um, those, uh, they, they um, had everything, they had lost everything and was even tortured by the enemy. And then another one was sold by his brothers into slavery and imprisoned for 10 years. So both of these, by accounts even within the Bible, were treated extraordinarily unfairly. And so we have to be able to look at their entire stories. And so to do that, we turn to the Bible Project. Um, You can Google them. They have just tons and tons of amazing resources. They are crowdfunded, um, and they put out very, very helpful material to help you break through that fear of what's in the Bible and just get to know what the biblical authors are telling us. And so we're going to look specifically at the stories of Job and Joseph. So for Job, um, we see a couple of things. And that is, um, he's questioning God. And uh, I would really recommend the Bible Project Wisdom video on Job. And we've gone over it several times um, 
in in the um, private Christian journey. But Job was a character who was um, given over by God to the enemy um, for a test of his loyalty, in essence. And so when he was in the midst of all of this, he would ask, why has God denied me justice and made my life bitter? And then God attacks me and tears me up in anger and gnashes his teeth at me. He destroys the blameless and the wicked. He mocks the despair of the innocent. So all of these show different thoughts and feelings that Job has about God throughout his time of testing and bitterness. But then in Job's last statement, where he just, all of this bitterness and anger comes to a head, he says, sign my defense, let the Almighty answer me. So he is demanding God come and uh, defend what's going on. So you can see Job's emotions here. He's angry and bitter and demanding of God. So we're going to pause on that thought for just a minute. So a human being is demanding an answer from God. What if you did this to your parent, especially if they're an authoritarian parent? Like, how dare you make me look both ways when I cross this street, mom and dad? You need to explain yourself right now. So how would parents react? And so this kind of sets up the tension of what's in God's character when this, I mean, we know this is unfair treatment. How is God going to react when we take a good hard look at what's going on here? So let's find out. So what we see is that God shows up and begins to have a personal conversation with Job. And it's he's not mean or necessarily angry, but he is very pointed and direct. And so what God does is he takes Job through a virtual tour of the universe and he begins to show the complexity of the universe and simply asks asks Job's questions. So we don't know the details of God's plan, but he's telling Job that the, the complex task of running the universe is huge. And can a human do that? So it's kind of like Job, uh, we see that he soon feels like a toddler trying to argue with their parent. And so Job doesn't have a universal vantage point here. And that Job is not really even in a position to accuse God. And that's part of the wisdom of the Job story, is realizing that, yes, we are smart enough to see that suffering and bitterness happens. What we are not smart enough uh, to realize or understand even is God's plan for all of this. So what we see is this question of why is there suffering in the world? And what Job's story shows us is that God is with us, he will show up, and that we do live in an amazing world that is not designed to prevent suffering. So there must be more to it than that. So then, how did God judge Job compared to his friends? So Job retracted and repented what he had talked about. And God honored Job for this struggle, for his struggle, for his honesty, and his prayer. And what that is, the biblical authors are essentially telling us is, yes, there is suffering. There is even unfair suffering around. 
God will honor us if we struggle through that suffering, if we be honest with him and that we pray for when we pray with God and that we put ourselves in God's capable hands. And so what God didn't honor was uh, what Job's friends were telling him the entire time. They were essentially poor friends of Job. They weren't listening to him. They were basically telling him their truth, what they understood to happen, and were not good friends to Job, and God did not honor that in them. So at the end of the story, we see that God restores Job's family and his fortunes. And um, that's not to say that Job necessarily passed the test, but he did stay loyal to God and was able to repent from where his feelings had led him. So that's the story here. We can't necessarily expect riches, but when we do think about Jesus, Jesus is one heck of a gift for us, isn't he? And all of the things that he gives us. So Jesus is still available to us if we can understand the lessons that Job is teaching us. So faith, hope, and love are things that we are going to get out of the Job story. So God invites us to have faith. He honors our journey and he gives us free gifts, even when we fall a little short. But as long as we stay loyal to him and repent and face him again after our struggles, he will reward us. So now we're going to turn to the story of Joseph. And remember, our our overarching question is, what if we are afraid of being with God? So the question here is, did Joseph have some reason to be afraid of God? And so Joseph was hated by his brothers, and he was and he was enslaved and imprisoned by them. He was sold to be a slave in Egypt and was unfairly thrown in prison for many years. So then think for a minute about how Joseph could have felt doing nothing wrong but being being imprisoned for many years. And what we find out is that Joseph was the first covenant child in Jacob and uh, Rachel and uh, Jacob and Rachel's family. So we knew, and you know by following the story closely, that Joseph was God's chosen offspring for this family. And then we see him go through this tremendous episode of being sold and being imprisoned. So then by the end of the story, to make a long story short, Joseph is elevated and saves Egypt and his family and saves countless lives um, by his very judicious use of process in doling out um, uh, stored up food after God had given um, Pharaoh this uh, vision that they were going to go through this famine. So by the end of the story, Joseph is given great power and forgives and reconciles with his siblings and family. And so again, the, the Bible is meditation literature. So what we're being asked to consider here is that even the chosen ones of God are going to go through suffering, and there may be tremendous benefit in that suffering. We saw Joseph grow very, very close to God in these times, and that is undoubtedly what gave him the wisdom to do the things that we saw him do in the story. So those are things to think about. And then when we step back to our initial question, and that is, what if we're afraid of being with God? Well, 
remember that both Job and Joseph have very good claim of being afraid of being with God. And so we have their stories to help guide us in our own feelings of being afraid of God. And so we can say we can imagine a situation where Job and Joseph are now having a conversation with us and telling us different things about um, their their time in suffering and what it eventually meant. And so we remember that God that uh, God was there and that Joseph is uh, reminding um, his brothers that they the human plans were for evil, but God planned. Um, planned it for good, planned his suffering for good to save many, many lives. And that's the wisdom. So always be looking for your ability to serve the community based on the suffering that you have. So some questions to end with. And the first is myth number one, and that is we are all supposed to or not supposed to suffer in this world at some point. And then myth number two, God leaves us or never leaves us alone when we suffer. Now, that's different than the question of if we feel alone, but then that then brings up a task is how do we feel close to God even though we are suffering? So people can suffer and feel like God has abandoned them, but when they slowly realize he makes the rules and that he never really leaves us, This is called a particular type of suffering, and it's called the dark night of the soul. So we did want to mention that there can be a pretty deep spiritual dimension to suffering, and it has been written about in Christian circles for a long time, and that is called the dark night of the soul. So some more journal prompts um, and some community discussion, depending upon the age of the person uh, in the small group or doing this individual study is we're back to using our power to make a choice. And so when I suffer, you can choose to trust God. Or when you suffer, you could choose not to trust God. So the question is, where are you at? And then there's one more aspect of this. And that is, I may not be ready to make this choice. And that is completely okay. That is completely okay. So remember, God invites us to faith, hope, and love, and he honors our journey, and he will give us free gifts. And if we do this, eventually we will have some type of feeling of triumph, and we see some people winning a boat race. (laughs) So not every moment in our lives will feel like a win, and Job and Joseph illustrate this, but we will win from time to time. And the biggest win is that although we suffer in this world, We have God and Jesus here with us when we do. And they remind us that when we get stronger and stronger as we face our suffering, that we will eventually help others in their suffering as well. And we remember that Christ is with us. So just remember that we talked about our place in silence and solitude with God. And this is a time where we enter into solitude and we can remember that remembering Job and Joseph that we will suffer and that we can be stronger for it. And we suffer knowing God is with us, and he is still a giver of free gifts of all kinds. And sometimes the wisdom born out of suffering is one of the best gifts that we have. And that we can enter into solitude with courage, hope, and love. And now with that, shedding our fear of being with God, 
we can now speak the words that we had talked about before, which is speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And hopefully this time with much less fear than what we had before. So now we can pray um, and I'll say our closing prayer. And again, I hope this was a little bit longer episode today, um, but I hope it really helps speak into your heart about being afraid to be with God. And I thank you for being with us and spending time with the ministry work. And I just hope that it is helping you transform and getting to know God better and better. So, God, we often just think that we are in control of what happens to us. It's scary to think that someone else is actually in control and might be steering us in a direction we are afraid of. When times are hard and we find ourselves suffering, help us remember Job and Joseph and help us find other people in the Bible that suffered and that have wisdom to teach us and that they ended up winning in some way. Be patient with us as we learn to trust your plans. Help us remember, even in our darkest moments, you have not left us and still have plans for our good. We know Jesus came to show this to us. And in his precious name and memory, we pray. Amen. So have a wonderful week until we can um, meet together again. Amen.